Hello, and welcome back to The Inner Entrepreneur. In today's episode, Paul Ryan and myself, Brandon Ward, continue our series on burnout, particularly addressing the final step in our burnout remedy process, investing in oneself and finding one's tribe for long-term success. We discuss the pitfalls of becoming a seminar junkie, the power of taking action on self-awareness, the necessity of forging new paths and habits, and how the implementation of these things can radically improve lives. We discuss how personal development requires commitment, sustained effort, and community support, which leads to tangible changes in one's life. So let's get into it. Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of The Inner Entrepreneur. I'm Brandon Ward with my co-host, Paul Ryan. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's fall here. You and I have, were, which is great. I love this time of year, but you and I have had a a bit of space in between our recording sessions. So it feels good to be back in the throw here of of recording and creating content. We got the show launched last week, so this is episode seven now that we're going to be diving into today. We're continuing our series on burnout, and what we're going to be talking about today is the final step in our burnout remedy process to, to get over burnout as an entrepreneur. So it's the, the fifth step. We've talked about four prior steps up to this point. Really, the whole concept around burnout is creating freedom from burnout. So it's not about relishing and burning out and, and being miserable. No, It's about gaining freedom from it. And how do you basically reclaim your life? Yeah, I, I think our conversation started off about how you recognize it. Because the thing about burnout <clears throat> or overwhelm, same thing. The thing about it is that people tend to be in it before they recognize they're in it. And that was certainly my experience. I don't know if that's been your experience, Brandon, but we, we tend as humans to find ourselves halfway into a mess, halfway digging a hole before we go, how the hell did I get here? I know I was way down the hole before I was at the end point almost before I realized where I was. So it's about the, the steps to recognizing what's going on. So you have a checklist to go, oh yeah, this is happening in my life. This may be, I may be drifting into an overwhelmed situation here. And then what are the steps that I can take to get out of that? So that's really what we've been talking about. And I suppose what we want to move to today is more about, okay, so you've gone through those steps and you're beginning to feel the relief that, wow, I'm in a better situation. So now how do I make sure that I've created a sustainable change to my life so that I don't just feel good for a while, but that. I'm creating consistent new habits. So it's a new way to way of life I'm into. Love it. Very well said. That and it's interesting because there's a lot of there's a lot more depth that we've gone into around burnout than you and I had initially t- anticipated with the content that we had outlaid. But I'm really glad that we've gone as deep as we have because to your point, we have a nice scale of basically 10 stages of burnout to identify where you may find. And then we have five steps that we put together to help you remedy burnout, regardless of where you may find yourself on those 10 kind of stages of burnout. So today we're going to be talking about step five, which is investing in yourself and finding your tribe for long-term success. So as you were saying, Paul, 
when we start to remove and start to get back our life, now what do we do with this new energy that's not being spent on stress and worry and fear and anger and hurt and all that? Now we have all this capacity to direct that into something else. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what question for me is more, how do we maintain it? And I have referred probably on a number of occasions to, and, and I've had many aha moments, but I refer to one, I refer to sitting around the dinner table with friends where I tell a story of shifting, of, of having spent many years in this overwhelm and burnout and, and then this radical shift and change in my life and telling the story and my wife jumping in and go, correcting me and going, you're missing the important part. You're missing the struggle because I never mentioned that because honestly, why did I never mention it? Because I'd forgotten about it. If I'm completely honest, I was in a good place. What's not to love? And she would remind me about that and annoy me a little bit. Why are you mentioning this? Until I realized it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing to learn and to realize that's what's going to happen. So the, when we talk about investing in yourself and finding your tribe, it's, it's how do you create a maintenance plan? Now, I'm not suggesting that it probably took me from me going through the awareness phase and the decompression and getting redirect and getting some control over my life. That happened over maybe a number of months, but then you were into the, and that feels good and that's really exciting, but then you're into the really hard work. And the really hard work then is how do I create a sustainable plan? Because at the time, I can't remember what age I was. Let's say I was late thirties, 40 years of age. So whatever I'd done to get me where I was had been the habits of a lifetime. So very naive of me or anybody to think that I can go and do a weekend course and I can have an aha moment and my habits will change. That's like a New Year's resolution. And when you make those on New Year's Eve, you damn well mean them. First week in January, faded. So that's the important part because I think, I know I missed it in different times in my life. And I think when you miss the need for, okay, now I'm into the hard work of this and am I sticking into the hard work? Because if you're not, you slide back off and you end up back where you were, which is pointless. And that's why the implementation component of all this stuff is powerful, Paul, to your point, right? Like you, the insight is where it begins. That's why we start with awareness. We wanted to start with that scale and start with the step of awareness, but then you've got to take, you've got to take the energy. Once you become aware of it, decompress some, now you have new energy that you can redirect into and start to gain control of your life. Yeah. And then to your point, now we're at this stage where if you don't set up new habits, if you don't set yourself into a new direction, the old habits will come back into play regardless of how much insight we have. Because insight is temporary. It's the, the daily habits that we're building from and the actions that we're taking every day that allows us to, to forge a new path, right? And really, in my mind, when we're thinking about investing in yourself and finding your tribe, that's ultimately the goal is to, to forge that new path forward that's aligned with who we are and balanced related to the work that we want to do. And creating a life that we envision for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Tony Robbins is often says that change happens in an instant. It happens in a moment. I think he's right, but I think it can be misinterpreted. And so awareness, I think, can happen in a moment and often does. So that's stage one. So if I picture myself sitting in that room in London in, I'm going to say 2008, I can't really remember exactly, sitting in that room and 
having flown to London to do Unleash the Power Within, having done the firewalk, all these things having taken place. And I'm sitting there, but having gone knowing that I was in a some sort of a difficult place, but not actually, if you'd asked me what's going on here, what's the problem, Paul, I don't think I could have told you. Because I mm. didn't know, but I just knew there was something wasn't right. And so <laughs> sitting in a dark hole in London, going through the Dickens process after the firewalk, which is the process when you open safety trip, and going through that, at one moment I had an aha because I saw this is the road I could go down. This is the road I am going down. I like it. This is the road I could go down. I love this. Mm. And that was, boom, penny drops. The penny drops for me, man, you're on the wrong road and this is not where you want to, you want to go. That's the moment of awareness. And I think that's what Tony Robbins are referring to because that was instantaneous. So a long time leading up to it, but when, you, but when the awareness comes, it's boom, oh my God, now I'm seeing clearly, this is why I feel like shit. This is what, now you're suddenly aware that you need to do something different. That's the change that happened in the moment. So when I stood up from that chair and went back to my hotel room that evening, I was a different man. And so I had, it, 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 it's interesting because over a weekend, flew on a Thursday night and I came home on a Monday evening. I had gone through a couple of phases. So I had the moment of awareness, which was literally a moment. By the time I was walking back to my hotel room that evening, I was a different man. I was now on the redirect already. I, w I was in a ho, ho, ho. I'd now, I'm, I'm on a new path now. I'd stepped, something had really hit me. I was in a redirect. I also had a, a, an element of the deep compress because when you do something like a firewalk and you get into the intensity of a weekend like that with a crowd of people over four, four days, you get into heightened emotional states. You do a lot of visualization and all these other sort of things. So there's a lot of, you can very quickly do decompression that you mightn't do by yourself otherwise. So interestingly, by the time I'd got on the plane and flew home from that weekend, I had ticked off almost box one, two, and three. I've become aware of this. I've redirected my life. I've decompressed significantly. And when I came home, that was the big moment of going, I need now to, how does this become sustainable for me? Now, thankfully, the impact of awareness was so massive for me, first thing. And the level of pain I was in was so severe for me that I, I broke the cord immediately. I knew I was heading down a very hard road, but I didn't give a shit. I was not, I, I just wasn't going down the road because I'd had the privilege of seeing what I imagined to be the end of the journey. So I, I wasn't going down the road. So that, so over that weekend, I was, I, I had a tremendous opportunity. And, and then when I returned home, when we talk about the getting control of your diary, I then did something that most people maybe won't do. And I came back and as I arrived back, I immediately went on a short holiday to, to Paris with my family. So I'd, I, I had a break from going back in the business to really think things through. By the time I got back the following weekend, I had decided that I need to take control over my life to, to, to really sort things out. And I probably did something quite radical, which is I stepped away from my business for maybe, can't remember how long, but at least six weeks. Oh, where wow. I just, yeah. 
where I just kind of called some people together and said, I didn't exactly explain what was going on, but I said, look, I need a downtime. And people understand stress and they understand, honestly, if I'm being a bit cheeky here, I may have insinuated that I had some health issue, heart. I may, come on, I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because people don't know, yeah, I got to get myself out of here. So I may have insinuated that doctor suggested I need some downtime. I can't remember, but I may have insinuated that I needed something like that. I bloody well did need it. So I then took this gap of maybe six weeks and that was my massively change in getting control over, over my diary. But that gave me time to really plan how I was moving forward. And I think the thing about it is that if someone is listening to this podcast or got, doing seminars or doing trainings or whatever, there's a tremendous high from doing that. And the, in those highs, you can go, gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, but it's not, but it's not, but it's not sustainable. So I think you, so, so you need, and that's why I think that this podcast is really important because now after that period of time, that six weeks and I went back to work, I had, first my decision was I'm not going back. I'm never going back to the business. I'm out of this and moving on. But I'd given myself this time away, which we spoke of in the decompressed. I'd given myself this time away. I'd taken all those negative influences away from me. So I had time just to think and work through things. And in that period of time, I suppose it was, we spoke about this realization before of going, you have a really good business, a really profitable business, but it feels like shit. And let's not confuse the two things. Is there a way in which I can keep a profitable business? Cause why start from scratch? And is there a way in which I can make this better? But I ha- without that gap, I couldn't have gone into the office. And if I'd gone into the office on Monday morning, nothing would have happened. I, mm. I, w- I would have gone in with a huge amount of positivity, would have been met with a huge amount of negativity, and it just wouldn't have resolved itself. I went back six weeks later or something. And I would, it, so the changes were now deeply embedded in me. When I went back to, into the business, obviously the people around me knew nothing about my experiences. They do nothing about my desire to change things enormously. And for some people, a number of people, the changes that were coming down the line, they were not going to be happy with. But the changes were already well-rooted in me at that stage. And so I was well ready for the hard work. But for most yeah, Paul, people, so is that... they're not going to have that privilege is what I'm saying. They're going to go straight back into something. And fall back into those old habits. And that's the danger of that, right? Is in, unless you, because you took space for six weeks to create a roadmap for this new life that you were yes. leaning into. And that's ultimately what you, now to your point just now, you may not have six months to dedicate to, or it's not six months, but six weeks to dedicate to come back in and, and create a roadmap. But you can still take time each day if you're stuck in a job, maybe that you can't, or you're in a business that you're running that you're buried in you can take an hour a day to start work on that roadmap. I think the importance is to, to dedicate some time, however you do it. If you, have the, if you have the ability to take time off from work and create that roadmap, even better. But otherwise, the intention is you got to create a roadmap for the new life because the awareness is the beginning. That moment that you said, that aha moment, you went through it. But had you not done that roadmap, took that time, all that positivity would have been crushed by the negativity of your business that you were running. You would have forgotten about all that positivity from that seminar and you probably would have fell right back into what you were doing and nothing would have changed. Nothing would have changed. But here we are. So that's, I think the mindful thing is to recognize you got to work on a roadmap. We're going to talk about 
creating that roadmap, right? What you did for that and how, what that meant for you and the things that you went through. And then also this is the counter to slipping back into those old habits, because if we don't set a new path, an alternative, like you have to have an alternative path that your brain can now start to work towards and build on because our synapses are, they're tried and true. And if we don't give them something new or alternative to, to dive into falls right back into that. So that's why that's so important. And I'm happy to get into the next piece, which I think is fun for, because a lot of people, especially in the personal development space, and I imagine a lot of our listeners, if you're running businesses, you're probably very much into personal development, personal growth. It can be a trap, can it, if you're not careful, if there's not action connected to all these seminars. So maybe let's, I'd love to talk a little bit about your journey as becoming a seminar junkie as you, as you labeled it. Have you heard that expression before? Is that just me? No, I've heard that before. Yeah, it's, it's, cool. But yeah. yep, yep. I, so one of the advantages I had in 2006, 2008, whenever it was, when I did UPW, one of the advantages I have is I had started in 1985. So in 1985, I was very privileged that my father, in a very enlightened moment, sent me on a weekend program called the Silver Method of Mind Control. Actually, I know people no listen way. to this Yeah, do you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm aware of the silver. Yeah, yeah. So n- now called the Silver Method because it, mind control is mind not control. a little. Yes. Come on. Not as politically correct these days. You can't do that. It's now called the Silver Method. So my father, my father, very enlightened for his, t- for his time. He's now a remarkable 87-year-old man, but very enlightened for his time. And he had done it, and he said, I want my children to do this. I can't remember what it cost, two or 300 Irish pounds for the weekend. I, I was 19 years of age, something. In the 80s, that's a lot of money. Well, I didn't have, I, I don't, maybe I'd started work. I probably had, but I certainly didn't have that sort of money. So he paid for the three of us to go and do, like myself, my brother, my sister, to do that. And, and I became a seminar junkie for two reasons. One is I reconnected med- with meditation that I discovered two years ago. And we can go tell the meditation story when we do our meditation episode. But I'd, re- I'd been searching because I'd had, a, I'd had a, an amazing meditation experience when I was still in school, maybe about 17 years of age. And so I'd been searching to find that again. I found that when I did the silver method. And, but also, so this was the 80s in Ireland. And the 80s in Ireland was a very different place for those listeners, uh, and we've listeners all over the world. So for those who don't know much about Ireland or, ha- or haven't visited Ireland, it's a bustling, thriving city. Uh, Dublin is, and, uh, and Ireland is now when you come and visit it with a lot of prosperity, but it wasn't in the, in, in the 80s. It was complete opposite. A lot of my friends would have left school and just gone to London to find, to find work and gone to Australia, gone because there was no work. So it was a very different. So there was a gloomy economy and a gloomy sense of what our futures held for us. And I did this weekend. And in this weekend, it was talking about the incredible power of your mind to create your future. These wonderful visualizations where you became very relaxed and you imagined this wonderful world. So I, that's why I became a junkie because it was feel good. It felt awesome compared to the world I was experiencing of gloom to some degree was wonderful. So I was hooked and I really did become a junkie. And I went into multiple seminars and I read books and cassettes 
Yeah, so go to a YouTube or something and Google what's a cassette tape. Maybe a little, that might stretch the mind of some of our young listeners out there. You don't even know what a CD is. Cassettes were before CDs. But this one. What about eight tracks, Paul? No, you know about eight tracks too. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to buy these cassettes and stick stick them in in a little Walkman and listen to them. But I was, so I did this and I did it for, I did for a period of time. But the seminar junkie thing to me was that I was doing this and loving it. And it was, I'm sure I was framing the man who I've become all these years later. So I'm sure it was formative for me. But what was really important, was really important was that for me to look back now was to realize I read all the books, listened to all the tapes, went to multiple different seminars. Because once you get into that, you go, oh, there's a seminar on this, there's a seminar on that. Lots of different, really influential people. I learned a huge amount, but my life didn't change enormously. So I was enjoying it, but maybe it was like a recreational drug. It was great on the weekend, but on Monday morning. <laughs> so on Monday morning, you go back to life as it was. And it took me a number of years to realize that my life's not changing that much. And once I had that realization, and I remember attending a seminar one weekend and the guy going, talking, very interesting, except I'm thinking, I'm hearing nothing new. I know everything he's saying I've heard before. I'm learning nothing new because I haven't, the problem is I haven't implemented this. So there's nothing I'm hearing that I haven't heard before. I just haven't gone and done it. So I left that seminar that weekend and decided that I was done with this. I kept books and cassettes. But I was done spending money on seminars and then doing shit about it. So that was an aha moment for me as well, because I became very focused and, okay, I now have to focus on creating the life I want. And for me at that age and at that time in my life, it was largely about money and it was about living in the home I wanted, driving the car I wanted. That, that was just what was important to me at that time and having the income and resources I want. So I pulled away and I did that. And I can't remember for how long, but possibly a decade, I, I moved out of that world to some degree. And I focused on implementing that in my life. So fast forward then to the weekend I went to London when we spoke about, I was living in the house that I had imagined living in 10 years ago. I was driving the car. I imagined driving. All these wonderful things that happened. So I was now, I, I remember having a, a, a party here. I think it was for my wife's birthday. We had loads of people in the house and we had a band, a live band. I remember walking out on a lovely summer's evening and thinking, I've made it. This is, I'm here. This, this is just, what's the stress me now? This is just wonderful. I'm here. Uh, so that was the sense I had, but I didn't realize at that stage that on one side of my life, I could look at that and I had those things, but I was slowly sliding into burnout because something wasn't working. So when I went and attended Tony Robbins weekend, I think I went with a very focused mind. I knew what the seminar junkie was. I knew I had been in that. And when I got a phone call to go on this, and it was a very short decision, it literally was like 10 days or something before I went away. I went with a very clear picture in mind. I went, I said to myself, I can go into this weekend because I knew something was amiss. I knew I need, I, I knew I was looking for answers, but I'm going here 
to learn something and whatever I learn, I'm going to implement. And that was the big difference. So it's not that seminars aren't really valuable. To me, they are. But what's more important is that you learn. I've since, my evolution since, because I still attend a lot of things, is when I, even if something is a whole weekend, my plan on leaving is, can I learn one thing? I'm an obsessive note taker when I go to seminars, but I will take notes, but I will have a separate page, which is in a separate page I may leave. So I may have a weekend of notes, but on a separate page, I'll have highlighted four or five things. These are the things I'm going to do because I know if I attend one weekend and take action, that's where you have massive impact. That's the trap, isn't it, Paul? You can go to seminars, you can read the books, you can listen to podcasts, you can do all this stuff, and it can trick you into thinking you're getting better because you're taking in this new information, you're participating in these seminars, you're feeling good about where you are. But unless you take action from those insights, from the things you're learning, it's not going to change. Nothing's really going to change. You're going to feel good in the moment, but your life's not going to end up moving or evolving over time. And I think that's the very point, Brandon, is that you do feel good because your mind's focusing on positive stuff. So you will feel good. But if nothing is changing, I mean, we've said this before, unless something changes, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So if nothing is changing, then nothing is changing. And when I went on that weekend, it was obvious to me something had to change. I didn't know what had to change. And that was the awareness. Once I had the aha moment of this needs to change, I knew that if I returned without making a massive change, everything would remain the same. And, and that's why we're ending this series on this idea of investing yourself and finding a tribe. Because if someone connects with this on I think it was in episode two, we started this talking about burnout and overwhelm and, and how you create, reinvent your life out of that. I think the thing about it is someone may listen to that, to, to, the, to these episodes, and they may recognize themselves in it. They may recognize through the steps of, uh, of where they are on their stage of being overwhelmed or heading towards burnout. And they may recognize the need to, to take some of the, some of the steps. And they may enjoy listening to it. And they may enjoy positive stories because you've turned your life around, Brandon, and I've turned my life around. And we can both talk about where we were years ago and, and how we've changed. But that won't happen for listeners unless they take personal responsibility for that and go, great, the guys are telling great stories. I was going to say we're not here to entertain. I hope we're entertaining. But <laughs> we're not really here to because we want to entertain people. We're here because we would love to have influence we would i would certainly love for someone to listen to this and go my god he's speaking to me this this relates to me and to realize but if i want to move forward if i want to be somewhere different i have to make massive change and i think the point about the seminar junkies the seminar junkie stays with the high it's a recreational drugs and they stay with the high and they don't get into hard shit and what you need to do is you need to do the hard work. And it's really when you come out of that, because you're going through the hard slog, as you begin to come out of that, it's then you need to go, okay, but I've observed my tendencies based on the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I've observed my, my tendencies, my habits, and I now need to create a pattern to change those. You talked about it, and it's, 
it, we have this wiring in our brains. And unless you change that wiring in your brain, the only way to change that is repetition. Unless you change that with new habits, you will walk down the old pathways. And then it was unfortunately a waste of time listening to this, listening to these episodes, unless something changes. And the only person that makes anything change is you. That's it. And I think that's, it's, that's the danger of it, Paul, right? The pitfall of the perpetual learning in many ways is it can fool us into thinking that we're doing something with our life, but we're not because we get those feel good feelings. It really, honestly, referring to it like a recreational drug is, that's a great way to describe it because we feel good in the moment. If people have participated out there, listeners, if you've had those moments where you've done some recreational drugs, you're out partying with your friends, you're on top of the world. You come up with all these great ideas and then the Saturday night that you're out with your friend, you wake up the next morning, you feel like dog shit. You don't remember anything you said. Yes, you don't yes. do anything about it and nothing yep. changes. So it's, but the, the danger is you get hooked to that Saturday night high, which is the seminar yep. component. You feel good, but you're not doing good in your life. And that's the action component that matters so much. I think sometimes, and this is particularly for me, Paul, when I was younger, I'm still young, but when I was early in this journey, I would often get overwhelmed with where I wanted to be and where I was because the gap was massive. I've always had this huge vision for my life, but I'm just a, a guy that grew up in West Virginia, raised by a blue collar family that, that wasn't, there was none of that in my family and the culture there, this absurdity kind of vision that I have. That gap between where I was and, and where I wanted to be was massive. And when I was young, I let that defeat me because I said, oh, wow, look at that mountain. I'm never going to climb that mountain. So I didn't even start climbing for many years. I just ruminated in my head. I would do things. I wouldn't take action. I would read books. I would listen. I would feel good in the moment. But nothing changed. It wasn't until I started taking ruthless action. And I think it doesn't have to be because you said it, Paul, like the change that we need to make may need to be massive, but it's also a great reminder that we do this bit by bit, day by day. Yeah. Just if you can take small, tiny actions, like just as you said, if you can have one idea and then take action from it, that's the beginning. Now you're forging a new path. Now you're setting your brain up that says, okay, wait, here's an alternative. This is actually something else. And you do that a second day. And then a third day, you start to forge that new path, don't you? So it, but it's crucial to your point that you take action from what you're learning. Because if you don't, you get stuck in these loops of doing nothing and you can literally spend thousands of dollars and years of your life on all this stuff and look back and nothing's changed other than your bank account's less and you got a bunch of books on your shelf and you haven't done much with it. And you look like a fool to your friends who are mocking you. Because I got that going, you're wasting all this money. You're a loser, you're a fool. Uh, what was the trigger for you then, Brandon? I'm just wondering, because I know you've spoken before about, about you needing to change your life and, and move into the road you're on now. So was it a gradual thing for you or, or was there a moment of, I have to do something differently. I'm on a different road. I'm just wondering. Yeah. So there, there was, it was a lot of pursuit of reading and meditating and journaling, but there were moments where I came across a few key frameworks and books and authors, Alice Miller was one, Dr. Margaret Paul was another, where their work was tangible enough in a way that I could take action. I actually had clarity on what action was. And that's, and it was 
really, Paul, the biggest change for me was when I started reparenting myself. I started the inner bonding process. I started to nurture myself in small little ways. Like I started to actually care for myself as if I was a child. And I did that in really tiny ways at first. I, I started journaling and I started thinking about habits that I always wanted to do, things that I thought about. Because I had an office job, so I had a little bit of money. And so I was able to start doing some good stuff that I wanted to do. So that's what it was for me is realizing that the books weren't going to change it. The meditation wasn't going to change it. It was nurturing myself and learning to be compassionate about who I truly was and learning to accept and embrace all that I was, not fixing what I am. I had been in this fixing loop yeah. where I'm reading all these books and, oh, this is what it is. I need to think. It wasn't until I just started simplifying that, started learning to accept who I was. And then stopped overthinking things. I, and then the growth mindset, Paul, was the next piece to that. Realizing that the way we grow is through ruthless action and learning and making mistakes. It's not being perfect. It's not having this ridiculous talent. You get better by doing the thing. And so once I, once that shifted, I realized that people weren't special talents. They've just spent hours and hours on their craft. That's how they've got there. From that point forward, I was like, there's been no holding me back because I knew if I was willing to put in the time, I could figure it out. That was it. So it was those two things, inner bonding and then the growth mindset that really just because growth mindset, Paul, as you know, is all about action, man, and just learning and growing and getting like embracing the suck, embracing the mistakes and using them as cues to adjust and iterate. So you, you said two things there that really s struck me. And what, it, they seem like opposing things, but I think they're not. You said you had to take rootless action, which is, and, and that's what I did too. It was like, I have to do this. You're rootless, you're doing it. You're getting up your, but the other thing you said is you have to develop self-compassion. And rootlessness and compassion don't seem to go hand in hand, but I think they clearly do because when you talk about the growth mindset was really important because you're not going to do this unless you're in that moment. I had this tremendous vision for my future. And that's what you're talking about. You're, the growth mindset for you is going, I may have come for this blue collar background as I did, by the way. And as I've said before, I don't have a college education. So we didn't come from this illustrious background. And when you go into the growth mindset, the thing is that a part of your mind is going to look at God, who the hell do you think you are? Like, get back on your bike, get back doing what you, what are you thinking that you can create this life? So you have to be ruthless and take action in spite of that. But you have to, I think the compassion for yourself is, is realizing that when people say to me, we're not perfect, my answer is, no, we are, because it's perfect for humans to be imperfect. If there is no perfect human, then that means we're perfect because perfect is maybe the wrong word. This is our nature. Our mm. nature is to criticize ourselves and to think we can't do these things. But I think that's really powerful because that's what a listener, I think, is going to have to do. They're going to have to be ruthless. They're going to have to be ruthless if they want to get control of the time. And they're going to have to be ruthless, invest, and be that focused on creating a change that change happens because if they're not that focused, it won't happen. I made radical changes and you were ruthless in your change, but you also have to ha be compassionate with yourself as well, because it is a journey and it's a journey that never ends. And I think it's important that we share those stories 
because what I don't want is anyone listening and going, oh, those guys have this and they understand this and you're going to get, no, we're on a journey and it's been a difficult journey for us. So if it's a difficult journey for, for someone who's listening and if they go, oh, I can't do this or I'm not good enough and all this sort of stuff, I think it's good to realize, oh no, that's what everyone thinks. Everyone thinks that. And the question is, am I going to move on in spite Am I going to move on in spite of that? That And Paul, I think that's the, is I didn't know any of this stuff when I started out and neither did you. Like what you've shared with me about your story and your journey, you learn these things along the way. Like you, you were a mess in your business. You've mentioned several times in the show that yeah. you almost walked away from a profitable business that you hated though. Yes. So it's, and it wasn't until you started working on yourself and you took responsibility for your life that it all changed. And I want to say one thing about the ruthless action and compassion, because it does, they do seem opposed to one another. But what I mean from that is I started finding compassion for myself and really being honest about the things that I wanted and the life that I envisioned. And I honored that. I embraced it. I loved it. I celebrated it. And then I took ruthless action in that direction. So yes. it's the compassion comes first to, to say, this is who I am. This is what I want with my life. That's okay. People can mock me. They can ridicule me. They can say it's ridiculous, whatever. This is who I am. This is what I desire. This is what I want. And because of that, I love myself. I'm going to defend those dreams, goals, and vision like a parent would a child who's yes. out that's how you have to go about it. Yeah, so I agree entirely. that's that combination of ruthless and compassion. Just like you would a small child of your own, you would do anything to defend their life if they were in trouble. We have to think about it like that. And that's the approach that I took. I love that you brought that up though, or you well, mentioned it's, that. It's interesting because we're at different stages of life because you have a very young daughter and I've adult sons. And the thing is, as your children get older, if you're in a position to be of support and help to them, and particularly financially, if you're in a position, you have to walk this balance of allowing them to build and create their own lives and, and supporting them. And that's almost a rootless compassion as well, because you want to help your children because that's, because that's what, that makes what makes sense to do, but you don't want to disempower them. And it, it, I think it's the same with yourself as well. You, you need to be challenged and supported and you need them to some degree in equal balance because if you support your children too much, if every time your daughter stumbles and falls, you pick her up, she never learns to stand on her own two feet. And by never learning to stand on her own two feet, she never learns to overcome challenges and become stronger and grow and become a person who goes, ho oh, ho, look what I did. But yet you need support her and guide her. So it, it, it's a question of, of finding that, that balance. And I think that's what we're saying to people here. But it's a journey. And the reason you're investing in yourself is because it is a journey you're now on for your life. And so you need to continually. One of the things when I did the Tony Robbins thing and I came back and I spent a lot of time working, but <clears throat> in my mind, I had my next phase. And in my next phase was, I went back and I repeated at UPW in London. I did it, ultimately I did it uh, on three occasions. So I went back, did the exact same seminar again, 
but now six or 12 months later or something. So I was reconnecting into that energy, but now I was in a different place. So I was able to take it to a different place. And also Tony Robbins then sells you a whole program at the time. He called it Life Mastery. I have no idea if he sells it now, what he calls it. And it was a series of, of training programs. One was in finance, one was in health, one was in lots of life issues. And the, it was a big invest. It was a big financial investment. It was a big time investment. It, was, it had to travel to the US to do them. But that was me investing in myself. And that was me laying out a path of going, I know I'm on a, diff I'm on a difficult road, but by repeating this program and by signing up to all these uh, training courses, I can see the next two years ahead. And the, over the next two years, I'm going to be doing at least two of these seminars every year. And I'm going to be traveling to the US, traveling to the UK. And I'm going, I'm going. So I was building the muscle. So I'd been to the gym and I'd gotten fit. I was going, okay, now you need to maintain the fitness. So when, when we talk about the investment in yourself, that's what I specifically did. I was very much aware that I needed to do that. So I signed up so I would have that support. And I knew when I came back, I'd be very much buoyed up by the weekend or weeks sometimes if I went to, went to the States or something. And I knew I needed to come back. I needed to give myself adequate time for action because if I didn't take action, it was wasted. But I was going, it's March. I've just come back. It's great. And I'm looking, September, I'm back over to the US and I'm doing this phase of the program or something. So I was continually feeding myself out over, over a couple of years to invest in myself, to build myself more than anything else, to build the momentum and to stay on the treadmill. Mm. So you're really look. this is more of that roadmap, isn't it? It's more of the, you're looking at the seminars you can go to, the actions you can take, the, the way that you can keep the momentum up, keep the progress up, keep those, yeah. the habits in place. Cause I love that the gym has always been a, a a great example for me because you don't, you can't stay in shape unless you're taking care of your body. It's just, you've yeah. got to do some things. And frankly, I have not been in the gym as much as I would like, but finding ways to be active, whether it's doing walks, fit, it's the same thing with our mental fitness. If we're not consistently staying in line with these activities, this movements, we're going to struggle. We're going to fall out of those habits. And I think that's to me, Paul, what you're describing is, and that's when we were talking about the top of the episode, the roadmap, this is really that roadmap that you can lay out for yourself to ensure that you stay true to the vision that you're building and that you're flexing those muscles and, and building those muscles up over time, because it's not a weekend thing that you do and then you leave and you forget. It's something that you have to incorporate into your life. And, and as you said earlier too, it takes time. I, I don't want listeners to feel overwhelmed by what we're sharing because Paul and I's experience has happened over years, decades really of this. So that doesn't mean it's going to take you decades necessarily to build your life to where you want it to be. Ideally, you'll listen to our stories, you'll take action and you can shorten that time down because you're not fumbling through the dark like we were in a lot of ways. Like well, we that's were. the thing. But, but you're also I, progressing, I think. You're progressing with each step of the way. So is it daunting for someone to go, oh, those guys are talking about decades of personal growth. Yeah, but it's a journey. And changed and we developed and we grew all the way along. So you want to move from where you are. You might move from, if you think of it on the weekend, I moved from where I was almost in an instant. 
So in sitting in that chair and having that moment. So as when I left that chair, I had moved to a different place. So I'd made progress. I wasn't to the end of my journey. I'm not to the end of my journey yet, but I had made progress. So I don't have the time frame to, to sound daunting. You're continually moving in progress and the goalposts change and where you want to go change. You're, you're continually moving. But I think the gym, it, it's like you go on a diet. And when you go on a diet, if you have a couple of stones to lose or kilos, if I'm speaking to US people, but you got to Pounds, lose pounds. Pounds, pounds, <laughs> pounds. Okay. So, um, so you couldn't lose the weight. You can probably in a period of a month or something have a radical impact on your weight so much so that you will feel better. Your friends will look at you and go, you look great. What have you done? So you can probably do that in a short period, period of time. So people can, if they're in a difficult situation, they can have a big impact on that. Particularly by the way, doing the things we spoke about in the decompress episode, when we talked about getting away and all these sort of things can very quickly have a change and getting control over your diet. When you, when you get those decompression habits, you can make a, a, a change just like you can change your diet and get some exercise in a month. You're radically different, but a month is no good to you. Really? The question is, where are you in one year? Where are you in 10 years? Where are you for the rest of your life? And when you go on, on, on a diet and I suppose health experts will say, don't go on a diet, change your diet change your lifestyle if you want to, if you want to become fit and well, because if you change, if, if you go on a diet, that's like your new year's resolution, you'll do it for a week or a month. You'll feel great. And then you'll celebrate by, by eating and drinking all the stuff. If the question is, can you change your life so that you now are consuming different products and different, you're eating and living in a different way. And that's just how you are on that your maintenance program. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about how do you, something has led you to a point where you're not happy with your life. You've begun to create something new and how do you create a new way of living? What's the new way you're going to, you're going to live? How are you going to change those old habits? I don't, we don't want you just to do something radical, not sustainable. We want a sustainable difference. We want you to create a new vision for your life. And that's what this is about. So the whole investment in the thing for me was laying out an investment program is going to continually, and I still to this day, continually developing and educating myself. But one of the most important components that we've spoken with Brandon on many occasions is finding your tribe because you can't walk, you can't walk this road alone, or at least it's very difficult. As soon as you can find a group of people who are, who want to do something similar to you, in my life, in the early years, that was really difficult. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have, it, it wasn't as widely available as it is now. But now there's so many, I don't know if there's more people interested in personal development now. It's just more easy to, con easy to connect with those people. And finding that tribe of people who are on the same journey, ideally people who are a little bit further down the road than you who can guide and help you, mentor you maybe. But I finding a tribe, a support network is massive. And I said, I started on this journey almost 40 years ago. I still have that tribe. When I say I have a tribe, I have a group of business owners that I meet consistently, like once a month or so, and we gather and we talk about business issues and personal issues and we support each other. So that's a tribe of people that I continue. And I hear what they're doing with their lives and they're doing with their business and they inspire me. 
and they mentor me and I inspire them and I mentor them. But it's a support group. When I'm going to mess with, when I'm met with a challenge, I have people to share it with and people who can help me. But also in the whole personal development, still to this day, I have two friends and every, every week we meet online and we talk and, and I'm meeting with people who will want to have this personal development conversation. And at times they're bringing something and I'm able to help them. And at times I'm bringing something that, that it can help me. And it, it, we've spoken before, but the pod that you and I met on that, that still meets one, once a month and these five wonderful people come along and we talk about what's going on in their lives. I have all of these things and they're all part of my tribe. Even doing this, Brandon, it means you and I get to turn up and talk about the stuff we love and it puts us in the mindset, puts us in the zone. So I would really encourage people to find a tribe of people that, that you're engaging with ongoing, who when you say, would you shared recently, sorry, a, a few moments ago, but having this great vision for your life and going, you know, I, I came from a blue collar background, but now I have this great vision for my life. I think what you need is people who slap you on the back and go, Excellent. That, that, I'd love to hear that. Even when you're feeling challenged by you need people to support you. What you don't need is people who are going, what are you talking about, Brandon? You're never going to do that. You're a fool, you know? And there was a lot of that, Paul, where I'm from. A lot of that growing yeah. up in West Virginia, right? I'm sure you can relate to that in, in Ireland. It's like there's a, the bigger the vision, if you're around, and this is not, I love West Virginia. I'm proud of where I'm from, but there's also a lot of people that are afraid of growth. They want to stay same. They want to stay where they are. They don't want change. Yeah. And a big vision terrifies them. And what they're doing is they're projecting their own fears onto you and saying, you can't do that because they don't believe in themselves in a lot of ways. So I think it's important to also realize if you have a large vision and you're coming from a place like that, it might take some time. Some people might have to fall away out of your life who so. don't support that because Paul, what you said a second ago, laying out your investment strategy for yourself, you're talking about investing into yourself, not yes. financial investing no, necessarily, no. but you're talking about self-investment, which we both agree that's by far the yes. biggest return on investment you'll get is into yourself. But the tribe component allows us to anchor this work. It's a reminder. It's people that are helping, that are celebrating, that are with us on the journey going along together. So we're like-minded in that sense, even though we have, we're at different stages, our vision may be different, but we're pushing the limits. We're trying to be the best version of who we are. We're celebrating our wins. We're, we're struggling through our challenges together, but it's in the arena, people that are in the arena building a life of their own making. And that to me is that tribe, that role of community that's so important. Without it, it's really impossible to make big changes and anchor this stuff over time because it's isolating. And if you don't have, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad months. Hell, you might have bad years. It's just, you gotta, that those groups can be a lifeline for us though, can't they? Through our time and through our life. I really think it's essential because most people in my experience just won't know what the hell you're talking about. And in my very early years, I realized because when I was very young and very enthusiastic, I realized that I was so keen to share it, but I learned very quickly that by sharing my enthusiasm and my dreams and hopes and plans, I was picking up so much negative energy. I was having to fight to defend how I wanted to live my life from people who really, I'm going to say wanted me to fail, but wanted to convince me that I couldn't do that because it was a challenge. Maybe they thought it was a fool, but also maybe because 
it was challenging them more likely because it was challenging them. I learned pretty quickly just to shut my mouth and not reveal that side of myself to people. And Same. for me to then find a tribe where you can openly go, I'm really into developing my, myself. I want to be the best, best version of me, whatever that is. And you will find a tribe of people who, when you say that, they'll resonate with that. And when you say that, all they want for you is for you to be that best version. And their question is, how can I help? How can I support you? Because that's because the, they're recognizing a kindred spirit and they just want to know, think that. And you come up one week and you go, I, I, I find this very hard. And then you go, yeah, that, that happens to me as well. And you go, oh, it's the journey. Oh, I thought I was failing. No, it's the journey. So I think that's really, I think that's really important. And, and, and I suppose that's what we're concluding in this series, that if you learn all of that, you have to create a plan to continually invest in yourself because it's not a one-hit wonder. And you have to have people who will, genuine people who will support you, will not drag you down, but who will support you and encourage you. And you will support and support them. And you know, what I find is when I get in groups like that, when I support, when I find I'm supporting someone else because they've got a challenge and I'm support, I'm encouraging them, or I know some information is going to help them. I get, I feel really good sharing that information. It makes me feel really good. Likewise, when the tables are turned and they're supporting me and that feels really good also. So both sides of it, it's a win, it's a win-win. And, um, so, so that's my, if there's a takeaway from this episode is how are you going to continually invest in yourself, continually support it? It's easier than ever. When I started, it wasn't easier. You were paying for books, for tapes. You were paying for seminars. Now, podcasts like this are free. Going to you, even if you cannot afford, the greatest speakers in the world are on YouTube for free hours and hours. To this day, not a day goes by that I am not influencing myself positively by reading something or by consuming something that could be a podcast, that could be a seminar. Not a day goes by that I don't do that uh, because you are inundated with negativity. Start inundating yourself with positivity. Uh, and I think if you do that and you commit to that and you're in a tribe of people who will support you, you're moving into a very elite group and you're going to change your life. That's my belief. I'm with that 100%, Paul. And it is crazy when you think about not just books, podcasts, YouTube, but the accessibility of individuals in general. I've made some incredible friendships. We live all around the world and I have yeah. friends with people that are all over the place and it's all possible because of the internet now and Twitter and LinkedIn, these social platforms. You can be, there's obviously negative components to just mindlessly scrolling and being on social media platforms, but you can also build friendships from simply sending somebody a DM, engaging with people's content and building relationships. I've built so many relationships with yeah. individuals before I was doing podcasting or any of that stuff, just reaching out and hopping on calls and meeting people and seeing what they were about, learning about their goals, learning what they were into and just making connections. You really can find your tribe now, to your point, Paul, in a way that you never could before. And it doesn't have to be this crazy expensive thing to do. It just takes effort. And I think that's the second takeaway I would say is take the time to invest in yourself, as you mentioned, find your tribe, take 
action. More importantly of all, none of this means anything if you don't take action and start to make changes in your life. Make small micro changes. Make the commitment to do small things each day because momentum matters more than having a, a day where you put in 12 hours of crazy work or whatever. Start a journaling practice. Start meditating a little bit. Just small, simple things. Do one outreach to somebody on social media that you're inspired by a week. It doesn't have to be small, yeah. crazy. So I think that's important too, is taking those small steps towards building a better version of your life, getting clear on that and building your tribe. Isn't that the difference fundamentally between being the seminar junkie and being the, some, the person who actually make a difference to their own lives and to other people's lives? That's the difference to it's taking action to doing something with what you've learned and it's creating a plan to sustain that long term because you need both. You need action, but you need consistent action over a long period of time. And that's the secret. And, and that's the secret sauce. That's it. It's funny because it's not this crazy secret. It really is just like it's not exactly getting it's into it. And it's, yeah. but do not a lot of people are willing to do that. Or can, or they can, but they just don't understand that's the long game. I think playing well, the marathon we're to, component. We're, we're here to, to remind them. Exactly. That's it. That's why we're here. Paul, so I think that's a great stopping point for today's episode. Really, it's continuous learning coupled with action and finding your tribe. If we were going to sum it up in a sentence, yes. that would be it. It would be it. And for next episode, we're going to be putting a bow in many ways on yeah. our burnout series that we've done because we've talked a lot we've done of six episodes on this whole topic have we yep I, I we've done the the stages and then we've covered the five steps to mm -hmm. remedy burnout yeah, so that would be six so we're going to do a summary episode where we wrap all that together so that it's a high level overview of each of those things yeah. and pull it together for everyone so that'll be our next episode and we really appreciate So with that, though, I'm excited about what we're doing, Paul. The Inner Entrepreneur, we got the name of our show now officially, Finally, right? Yes. We, we got a, a little brand here that we're building. We're learning in public, so <laughs> I hope Honestly, that we are. people, you know. No, exactly. And I think that's why, no matter where you are in life, that's important to recognize. Yeah. Get we, out and do it. I mean, get out and, get do, out it. and do it. That's it. That's it. Paul, I appreciate you. It's been a ton Thank of fun, course. brother. I hope the audience has enjoyed the content so far. We got a lot more planned on the way, but sure. remember at the end of the day, take ruthless, compassionate action and you'll be surprised. You. That's it. That's it. Excellent. So with that being said, we'll Thank see you, for you listening. all next week. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Inner Entrepreneur. If you found value in our content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your attention and take care.